The Duly Noted Podcast is brought to you by Zaxby's. Satisfy your craving for hand-breaded chicken and fresh-made salads. Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's today or order online at zaxby's.com forward slash podcast. And by Vistar Credit Union with locations across Gator Country. Visit vistarcu.org. And also, The Humidor, going the distance for fine cigars. This is Dooley Noted. Everything Florida Gators with your host, Pat Dooley. Okay, welcome into another Dooley Noted podcast. Appreciate everybody for clicking on. We'll uh, bring on a little bit later Brett McMurthy from the stadium, the college football insider. He really knows college football uh, as well as anybody. I just saw where my buddy um, Pat Forty, maybe we'll get him on here. He's been on before on the podcast. Just went over from Yahoo to Sports Illustrated. So Sports Illustrated seemed to be in the cutting business, but they added Pat Forty, which I find odd, but at the same time, good for him if it's if it's what he wanted. He's one of the real innovators in our business, and he comes up with these great ideas, and sometimes I, I steal them. It's like my friend Jeff Miller used to say. He would take an idea like and put it in tinfoil, stick it in the freezer, bring it back out in a year, un- let it let it melt, you know, let it un- the, the thaw. I can't think of the word. Let it thaw out and then use it then. I've done that with some, some Pat Forty ideas. And, and the back nine is based a little bit on some of the stuff he's done in the past. You know, the 40 minutes, 40-yard dash, that kind of thing. So at any rate, congratulations to him. Okay, we had a good time Saturday night. Uh, Robbie and myself went down to Tampa and watched football first with Tim's brother and then with uh, Chris Harry and a bunch of other buddies, Bianchi and Dave Whitley, Brett McMurphy, who was on the show, uh, will be on the show in a little bit. Just watching football. Watch a, a ton of football. Uh, well, actually, watch a lot of NFL football Sunday. Here's a question I have, because I don't, I don't usually watch a lot of NFL. I watch a little bit. I watch big games. When it gets to the playoffs, I'm mesmerized by it. But um, And I'm not a fantasy owner, which I understand why fantasy owners are. I'm not blaming you for being a fantasy owner. I'm just not doing – I don't do it because I don't care enough about the game. I only care about the players, and I, that, that disturbs me a little bit. At any rate, one thing I really noticed about pro football versus college football, pro football guys run the kickoffs back. They catch it a yard deep, they're gone. They're, they're running it out, and they're getting to about the 20, which makes no sense why you would do that. But – I guess they're just looking for a chance in space to break a big play, which makes a little bit of sense, especially when you have unlimited rosters. And that's what the NFL has that college doesn't have. This is why early in the season, before the season started, I I told you guys that one of the concerns I had with Florida was their roster size because they were there were so many guys who had left and or been hurt, and it's only gotten you know worse with with some of these injuries. They didn't have the depth to fill in, and yet here they are at seven one, and that's just what a great coaching job and what a great effort that the, these players have made. I'm, I'm not getting down on them. I just, I just was wondering about the roster size, but you have to realize the NFL has unlimited rosters. They say it's a 53 man roster. No, it's not. It's whatever you want it to be because you can cut everybody on your team and sign 53 new guys, right? Technically, now I guess salary caps would, would stop that from happening, but. Maybe you run back kickoffs because if that guy blows his knee out, a special teams guy, you go get another one. They're basically standing outside your door waiting to come in. And maybe that's why we don't see it in college 
because if you put one of your better players back there and he and he runs it back and gets hurt, which is the big reason why they have changed a lot of the kickoff rules and why the fair catch is allowed and all that, is um, you that really stifles your offense or stifles your defense, whatever, whichever position he plays. Anyway, just a thought I had about that. It's obviously Florida-Georgia week. I know everybody's excited. On Thursday, we will continue to talk about Florida-Georgia on that podcast. Seth Emerson uh, from The Athletic, who covers Georgia, will join us. We'll talk to him about um, – the dogs uh and i think it's really important that now it, it's funny because i'm going to get to why the florida optimism among the fan bases and the georgia pessimism has changed drastically in the last two weeks so i'm going to get to that in a moment but i i just warned and i and i've done this and i'll continue to do this all week warn florida fans I'm not saying your team's not good. I like your team a lot. Your team is better than I thought it was. I was wrong in some ways about it. I didn't know Kyle Trask would end up carrying this team as a quarterback. I didn't know some of the other players like like Sean Davis would be as good as they've been. I, I mean, your team's fine. I like your team a lot. I don't know if it's a national championship team. I don't know if it's a playoff team. But they'll get the chance to prove that with this game and then to finish out the season and then win the SEC championship, which, you know, I think likely get, gets you in. I don't, I don't know if a thousand percent it gets you in, but it probably will. Because there's going to be more crazy, wild upsets. Trust me on that. My point is, don't think Georgia's not really good. I'm not saying they're better than Florida, okay? Please don't don't put words in my mouth. I'm not saying they're better than Florida, but they might be. And they're at least as good as Florida. They're at least as talented as Florida. They're a lot like Florida in some ways. It's just that their offensive line and their receivers would flip-flop. Florida's got a really great receivers. Georgia's got a really good offensive line, and that's, a, that's different. Georgia's defense doesn't do the big things. They, the bottom line is Georgia's like the unsexiest team in America. But they're right where they want to be with a chance to win this game. And then, of course, don't forget, and this is something I wrote about for Thursday's paper just to give you a preview, some of the myths of this game. This game is not for the SEC East. Please don't tell me it is. Please don't tell me you think it is. This game is for a leg up. It's kind of like Tennessee was back in the 90s. You didn't win the East by winning that game, but you probably would end up winning the East. Uh, Florida did not in, I mean, don't forget, 92. Let's go back to the start of it. 92, Tennessee beat Florida, beat them pretty soundly. The the, the best story about that game was on the plane back, The plane, they really thought they were dying, the whole team. And they're going down. And uh, guys are freaking out. In fact, Ellis Johnson wouldn't, wouldn't fly back with the team. He rode back in the equipment truck because he said – and then became a pilot of all things. But James Bates told me um, the funny story about that was that the headline, he said, I can just see the headline in the Gainesville Sun, Gators get killed twice. That's how bad they lost to, to Tennessee that year. But Florida wins the East. You know, so that happens sometimes. Tennessee, Florida beats Tennessee in 97. 
Tennessee still wins East. So it happens sometimes, and in Florida, Georgia winner might not win the East, and here's why. Don't forget who Georgia's still got left. Georgia's still got to play, and you can scoff at Texas A&M all you want, but they're capable, and they got to play at Auburn, I believe, right? It's at Auburn. Those are losable games. If Florida wins, they still got to go to Missouri, where they never play well. Their best win there was 21-7, to and their only win there. So it's not going to be – it's not over by any means just because you win, and and we don't know what's going to go on, what's going to happen with Missouri. Here's, here's the other thing. Missouri wins out, beats Georgia in two weeks, beats Florida in three weeks, and, and wins its appeal, the biggest win of all, which is possible – Missouri goes to the SEC championship game. So, yeah, in, in my column, I talk about there's a there are myths that this is a, this is a playoff game. It's not. There are myths that it's an SEC East championship game. It's not. It's just a big, big game. It's a it's a colossal size game. Not any smaller. Well, not any bigger. I don't think in my mind it does. I think in Dan Mullen's mind because Dan Mullen has been talking since LSU game about the East and how big a deal it is, you know, the, the games against the East. But to me, just on a national scale, I don't think it's bigger than Auburn. I don't think it was bigger than LSU. Maybe a little, maybe tiny bit, because it is a divisional game. Those were huge games. You know what else was a big game? Miami. <laughs> it was huge. Remember it? Remember the Miami game and how big a deal it was? So they played plenty of big games. And they're going to continue to play big games because it's not going to go away. The, uh, you know, like Dan said this best, the more big games you win, the more big games you have to play. So uh, Florida Georgia Week always brings out uh, something in me that's just kind of different. I, I, I get thinking about memories going way back. You can go way back or you can go not quite as way back where – there were very pleasant memories for Gator fans. You can go back to the last two years, which have not been good for the Gators. One of them, Florida, didn't show up. The other, they couldn't quite hold on. I think that stuck with this team. I don't think they liked that feeling of being there, having a lead in the third quarter, being within six in the fourth quarter, and not being able to pull it off. There haven't been a lot of games where Florida has trailed in the fourth quarter and lost. So I think that that sticks with that team. But to me, these teams really are about even. My point, I think I was making a point, and I'll go back to it right now, was don't sleep on this Georgia team. I'll talk a little bit more about that after we take a break here on the Duly Noted Podcast at Gatorsports.com. At ViStar, we believe in better, especially in helping build a better financial future for our members. So we've reviewed our offerings from the ground up. We've lowered or eliminated over half our fees and enhanced our already competitive rates, saving members more than a million dollars this year, in addition to the millions we save them every year. If you believe that saving money is better, join ViStar. We never forget that it's your money. All loans subject to approval, insured by NCUA. 
Tailgates and Gator Winds call for the best cigars available from around the world. Pick your sticks today and save at the Florida family-owned site, thehumidor.com. Get free shipping on every cigar order. Find boxes from the biggest brands, samplers hand-selected by top tobacconists, or pick your own single sticks. Thehumidor.com, going the distance for fine cigars. Okay, welcome back to the podcast. It now that may sound like the stupidest thing I've ever said on this podcast, and that would be saying something, as we all know. I've said some pretty dumb things on here. You know, it's uh, there's no filter, there's no delete button. I guess there technically is a delete button. So, Brad, if you're listening to this and editing it, and I say something stupid, you can delete it. But when I say don't sleep on Georgia, I think that there is this kind of feeling among the Gator fans that hey. Georgia doesn't look that good this year. We like this team. Everybody's in love with Kyle Trask. That's fine. You like your team. You like what they were able to go up there to to South Carolina, a team that beat them, that beat Georgia, even though you've heard me say it a million times, every game's its own game. As it's pretty clear with South Carolina, every game's its own game. It's still encouraging that they beat Georgia and you beat them, even after, after a terrible start. You like that you went toe-to-toe with LSU. You like that you beat Auburn with with game day here. The Miami game, you won it. And, and now, you, now, and this is the funny thing, as we go further and deeper into the season, I think you guys all kind of come around to the way I think, which is win by one. What happened to the Miami game? Uh, we won. That's all you have to say. Don't worry. You have to explain it. Yeah, we fumbled and we got in and then all this and we blew everything. We should have and we almost lost it at the end. No, you won. Uh, Miami, that was a win. Tennessee, yeah, blew Tennessee out. That same Tennessee that all of a sudden is on a roll playing playing great football. I won't say great football, but good football, better football. Blew them out. Wasn't even competitive. So all, all the things that happened earlier don't sting as much. Don't bother you as much as you go further deeper into the season um and it's about here's the thing guys it's not about last year it's not about the last two years it's not about lindsey scott it's not about johnny henderson tackling earl Carr on fourth and dumb it's not about steve spurrier changing it the series around with 11 wins in 12 week 12 games it's not about Tim Tebow, and it's not about Urban Meyer. It's not about Mark Richt. It's not about Vince Dooley. It's not about Herschel Dog. It's not about any of that. It's about the present. Here would be a perfect time to insert into this, if we we could do it, and I don't know if we could, the Billy Donovan speech to the 06 National Champions before they went and played UCLA. But I will paraphrase it and because I love it. It's one of the great speeches of all time. It's not about the past, and it's not about the future. It's about right now. you got to want this night to last the rest of your lives. One of the great speeches I've ever seen given. And the funny thing is, it wasn't even their main speech. They had a totally different speech, not for TV. I've been told that. I'd love to hear that speech, too, because I'm sure there were some words in there. <laughs> anyway... And that's the great thing is 
I feel like this week is about right now, too. It's not going to be about the past. All right, the future's been settled. They signed the deal that we all knew was coming with the uh, city of Jacksonville to keep the game in Jacksonville for another, what, 2023 and in 2022 somebody's gonna say we're we're thinking about moving the game yes well we've 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 heard from some of our boosters and they feel like maybe it's time to move it and we we feel like it's a recruiting disadvantage and uh uh we're thinking seriously about moving it and then they'll go oh the city of jackson goes oh uh well how about if we give you a golden calf and put it one in each of your rooms Okay, whatever we need to do to keep this game, they they can't lose it. So it's it's gonna it's gonna be there forever. It's gonna be there for my lifetime, I would think. So the future doesn't matter. The past doesn't matter. None of it matters. Okay, it's about this day, Saturday, from three thirty to seven thirty, because you know it'll be a four hour game. It's on CBS. That's all it's about. And I think there have been games in the past where we felt like the game was more about the history of the game. Forget about the history of the game. The game, the history of the game is, is interesting. It's great. I know it as well as anybody. I, you know, I've written books and, and book. These were, that game was included in a lot of, a lot of the books I've written. You know, the 86 game, I absolutely, is one of my favorites. 84 was unbelievable. 08, one of my favorites. Definitely the game's, that were played in, in Gainesville and Athens. Yeah. There was there have been some amazing games, but it doesn't matter. It's not about any of that. I think, I think I've made my point, okay? Um, but I was ta- thinking about this today. What – how did we get to this point where the optimism is running rampant with Gator fans – and the pessimism is drifting into the Georgia camp. Because before the season, I think most of us felt, well, obviously, the SEC picked Georgia. It was not even close. Um, not, even, not even, you know, I don't think a lot of people thought Florida – I mean, they weren't even sure Florida was going to be the number one contender in the, uh, in the East, Right. Like a lot of people thought it would be Missouri. You know, they were, they always, none of them had really had the cojones to go ahead and make that move, but they were like, I like Missouri, but I'm still going Florida second. So it, when did it change? It changed gradually, but it really changed, obviously, the week that Georgia lost to South Carolina. And even though Florida lost that same day, it wasn't the same loss. They lost to a South Carolina team that most, people felt like wasn't very good south carolina since then has proven not to be any good losing two in a row so that started it and then maybe the lsu game a little bit yeah i think they can win this game now look how we did against it or look this is a gator fan saying this look how we did against that offense or that defense and I think the fact that Florida's come from behind to win six games in the fourth quarter, the coaching matchup is certainly, I think, Gator fans feel like, Gator fans probably feel it's more lopsided than, than it really is, but they feel really good about their coach against that coach because that coach has made some less than ideal decisions, whether it was the LSU game last year or the Alabama game last year or the South Carolina game this year. 
When they lose, if there seems to be a pattern. Kirby Smart does something not smart. So you, I think Gator fans like their coaching matchup. And I think that's where all this optimism, they're in love with Kyle Trask. They're, they lo- love their coach. They like this team. They like where they're going. They've, they've been able to get through any hurdles and then play two huge games and split them. You could even go three with Miami. I know Miami's four and four, but at the time it was a big game. So there's a level of optimism there. But I, I do re- caution you to remember that this thing. I, don't know, I was going to say something profound there, but it wouldn't come out of my mouth. Remember this, okay? Dan Mullen is an offensive coach, right? Offensive coordinator calls the plays. Really good at it. We all know that. Everybody likes it. Kirby Smart is a defensive coach. He was a defensive coordinator for a long time. He's involved heavily, more, way more heavily in the defense than the offense, like any defensive coach would be, like Will Muschamp is at South Carolina. Their defense is number one in the SEC and number five in the nation. Their defense isn't giving up squat. They've given up the fewest points in the SEC. They've got a great defense. Now, they don't get a lot of sacks, and they don't get a lot of interceptions. They're kind of the opposite of the Florida defense, and the Florida's defense is bent a lot, and Georgia's defense doesn't have that LSU game to fluff up their stats, right? In a bad way, I'm talking about. So they didn't play LSU to fluff up their stats. But Florida gets a lot of turnovers, they get a lot of picks, and they get a lot of sacks. And we'll see this week with those guys coming back. It, it, I'm still wary of the whole Zuniga-Grenard thing, and I'll tell you why. When Grenard's playing, we all know that. I think Zuniga is too. Grenard said last night when the media boys were talking to him, I'm playing, you know, don't worry about it. No, no matter what, I'm playing this game. But he's not 100%, and he said he wasn't, and he probably won't be for the game. And I don't know if Zuniga will be either. I got a feeling same kind of deal. People keep talking about Kadarius Tony coming back, and I'm like, great, great. It'll be great if he has an impact on the game. It'll be a great story. But I don't with the receivers Florida's got, the guys who can, who have done such a great job. I'm not worried about that position. You got to worry about the def- defensive ends because, as we we talked about before, um, it's not just the pass for us. It's stopping the run. In fact, getting those guys back, even if they're not quite as mobile, they're still really good at stopping the run. And that could help Florida because that's what Georgia does. They play defense and run the ball. They're old school SEC. They're not sexy like Alabama. They're not sexy like LSU. Even to a point, Florida, which has gotten sexier as every week goes by. And when I say sexy, all I'm talking about is do you do do you have break off a lot of long plays? Do you throw the ball all over the park? And um, you know, are you are you are you willing to settle for three runs up the middle and punt? You know. That's not that is Georgia. I'm not saying Georgia settles for three, but they've had series where they've run it three times and kicked it. So anyway, we'll talk more, as you know, about this game on Thursday. Um, you know, it is going to come down to two things to me more than anything. When the third being coaching, who runs the ball the best and who doesn't turn it over or who does turn it over. If it's a zero zero turn, I tell you what. Right now, if you told me this, no turnovers in this game will happen. I've been to the future, and I'm coming back, and I'm telling you that. I would say, well, A, good. Um, 
because the game is a lot more fun when people aren't turning it over left and right. You know, we saw in some of these games we've seen where turnovers are coming all over the place. So good, but the main thing is I think that helps Florida. I think uh, if Florida doesn't turn it over, they're more efficient on offense. And when I say efficient, George is very efficient in the, the way they run the ball and set up the pass. But Florida is more efficient in, in getting yards down the field. So anyway, that is that. That's you know I'm going to talk again more about the game, more about the matchups uh, on the Thursday podcast. Right now we're going to take a break, and we're going to come back and bring on uh, Brett McMurphy. He's a college football insider working at the Stadium Network. Does a great job. Uh, one of my longtime friends. And um, later on we will get into. Uh, some of the other college football from the weekend and coming up and some of the teams that are really disappointing. And uh, three things. All that and more on the Duly Noted Podcast at Gatorsports.com. Zaxby's taking chicken to a whole new level of flavor. Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's today or visit Zaxby's.com. All right, welcome back to the Duly Noted Podcast. It's a great pleasure to be joined by my friend Brett McMurphy, college football insider for the Stadium Network. And if you want to know where teams are going in the bowls, who's signing contracts for bowls, who's scheduling who, who's Zooming who, you got to go to read Brett McMurphy's stuff. He does a great job. So, uh, Brett, obviously, uh, we, we were together uh, Saturday uh, down at uh, Chris Harry's birthday party and watched a little football together, and we were going back and forth about um, uh, the uh, top our top 25. We're both top 25 voters, and I, I found going back, uh, riding back, uh, trying to do it in the car, it was like the hardest top half of the ballot I've had to do all year. Yeah, it really was, Pat, and it, it kind of showed this week. Uh, you know, Ralph Russo, who compiles the – the votes for the AP, I think, said this was the closest vote between the top three teams in the history of the poll. And I don't know how you had it, but I had LSU 1, Ohio State 2, Alabama 3, and then Clemson 4, Penn State 5. But, uh, you know, as I think we discussed the other night, you could tell me, Brett, I've got those five teams in another order, and I'd say, you know what? You you may be right. I, I don't I don't think we know. You could you could literally make an argument for any of those five teams to be the number one team in the country, and ultimately uh, I have no issues with that. I think that's how close it is right now. Um, you know, some teams have played tougher schedules, had more quality wins against top twenty five oppositions. Other teams have been more dominant against lesser competition. Um, so yeah, it's it's kind of fascinating, but. The good news is some of this stuff's going to get sorted out in a couple weeks. Obviously, the LSU and, and Bama play, and then Penn State uh, goes at undefeated Minnesota. And then Ohio State, you know, obviously will play Penn State and Michigan the final two uh, weeks of the regular season in November. So we'll we'll have some kind of clarity, I think, or as much clarity as you can get in college football, which sometimes isn't a lot. But, yeah, right now, I don't know how you voted it, but uh, I'd have no issues with, 
with any order of those top five. Yeah, the only change I had was I had Clemson uh, five and Penn State four. I, I decided to bump them up. Uh, I've just been impressed with the way they keep winning winning games. But I mean, you could you could make an argument as Joey Galloway has for Clemson being number one. You know that whole defending champ still undefeated argument, which I, I think is a little old school. But uh, yeah, you're right about those those top five. But the funny thing is, Brett, we're going to see some things get cleared up, and we could end up with total chaos at the end of the year. I saw a great tweet from Heather Dennis, and she was mentioning how Alabama needs this win more than LSU which is an interesting when you stop and think about it. If Alabama loses, where is their signature win? You know, I really, I, I really believe that Alabama does need to win because in obviously the selection, you know, we're, we're not thinking about our votes, but how the selection committee will view these schools. So if you're the selection committee, what do you do with Alabama? Let's say Tua doesn't play against LSU or it's obvious he's less than 100%. The selection committee is supposed to take into account um, significant injuries to significant contributors to each team. So obviously, Tua, there's uh, you know there's a handful of players in the country that, that mean as much as he does sure. to, to that team. So let's say okay, they're going to give him a pass for that game, the uh, the Tua Mulligan, if you will. But even if you do that, and they go on and they do beat Auburn, they will have one top twenty five win this year, and that's against Auburn. I do not think in any way does that schedule match up, certainly to what LSU has done. LSU, um, well, three, I guess now two top 25 wins now that Texas dropped out. But LSU would still have to play Alabama. Um, also, you've got, um, you know, Ohio State, who who beat what looks to be a very good Cincinnati team, routed those guys. Mm-hmm. Um, also, starts playing Michigan, Penn State, uh, you know, and Clemson. You know, I, I I understand what Joey's saying about their defending chance. My argument would be Clemson's numbers offensively and defensively right now, I think they're actually better than they were last year. But all anyone wants to remember is the close loss against North Carolina, and they seem to forget that they've basically blown everybody else out. Yes, they haven't played anybody that's been ranked, um, you know, other than that North Carolina game. I think the closest game was Texas A&M when the Aggies scored a touchdown in the final minute to cut the spread from three touchdowns to two touchdowns. So, um, you know, as far as Alabama, you know, I don't – and people say, well, the committee's going to give them the benefit of the doubt. They have, they have not – they have not looked like the dominant Alabama as in past years. And the Tennessee, Tennessee game's a perfect example. Tennessee's down in the goal line, you know, getting ready to – to make it a, a one-score game, and they, they botch it at the goal line, and, and that changes the game completely. Um, you know, Alabama has had its share of, of blowouts, but again, you get into the most deserving versus best team, most deserving Alabama would be on the back end of that, of that top five we just talked about because they haven't played the same strength of schedule, I think, that some of these other guys have. You know, you, you mentioned Auburn uh, there. Um, there's a good chance they're going to lose to Georgia and Alabama at, at the end of the season. Is 8-4 good enough for Gus to keep this job that always seems to be – there always seems to be a fire underneath him, flickering? Is 12-0 good enough for him to keep this job? Uh, that's a good question. Yeah, man, I, I don't you know – the AD and the president have the answer to that question. The fan base, you know, they're so fickle that, you know, they're 
you know, again, it depends on what that eight and four looks like. Um, is it a blowout loss to Alabama? Is it a blowout loss to Georgia? Then certainly you could look a little bit closer and then say, okay, well, really, who who is Auburn defeated up to this point? Obviously, the, the season opening one against Oregon is huge and could impact the playoff on, on whether the Pac-12 gets in or not. Um, you know, that game came down to the, the final minute. So that, yes, they won the game. That could very easily could have been a loss and maybe should have been if, if Oregon would have, better, would have had better time management there in the fourth quarter. So, you know, Pat, I don't, I've given up trying to figure out, you know, Gus Malzahn's status on the hot seat <laughs> with, with, with Auburn fans because it literally changes play to play sometimes, you know. And again, give them credit. They, they were at LSU and that thing went down the wire. And yeah. that's something that nobody else has been able to do. Now, let's see what happens with with Alabama and LSU. But, um, yeah, I mean, look, if you let's let's say, okay, Gus flames out against Alabama, flames out against Jory, and you're, you're the AD at Auburn. Who are you going to get? You know? Urban Meyer. Meyer? Oh, yeah. Right. Okay. He's so, always wanted to live in Auburn, Alabama. <laughs> well, he keeps. You know, he is one guy that's won a national championship, and I do think uh, this isn't about her, this podcast, but I do think he will coach again next year, but I think it will be similar. You can win a national championship, and certainly Auburn is on a short list. Um, I think USC is the most likely spot, but Clay Hilton, you know, you can't kill him yet. Um, but let's say, you know, because okay, so Urban's not in the mix or he's already at USC or whatever, then realistically, who do you, who do you go after? And also... You know, look, everybody's making as much money as everyone else. I mean, USA Today put out their annual coaching salary um, uh, release documents uh, last week or the week before. Tremendous job. If, if you guys haven't seen it, check it out. And so basically all these guys are going to get money wherever they're going to go. And so if you're, if you're a talented coach, a coach, you know, on the upswing, you do take into consideration basically – the tenure of Gus Malzahn and how he has been on and off the hot seat literally every game. And is that a situation you really want to go into? And oh, by the way, Nick Saban's not going anywhere anytime yeah. soon. So you're going to have to battle him every year. And people are going to remember whether you beat him or not. And then, oh, by the way, you've still got LSU every year. You still have a and every year, which should get better with Jimbo. Um you know, Mississippi State should should be improved, and then whoever you draw out of the East. So, which is then, Georgia? You know, yeah. Be careful what you, be careful what you I forgot about. Yeah, Georgia every year. So be careful what you wish for. Last thing for you, obviously, Florida Georgia, the big game uh, around here, and probably the best game in the country this year, but or this week. But um, uh, you know, when you look at the game, I I, I just wrote a column that's going to run Thursday, and so one of the myths I'm exploding is that this is a playoff game. It's not a playoff game. It's as far away from a playoff game, pretty much as you can get. But it is an elimination game. Like loser leaves town, you're not you're not going to college football playoff, and you probably aren't winning the East. It's not out of the realm of possibility. Uh, but but how do you see this game, and how do you see? Do you think? the winner of this game now is in a position to run the table and go to the playoff. Uh, no, you're dead on. It's, it's definitely an elimination game. Um, I think what it does for the winner is it keeps them, keeps their faint playoff hopes alive. 
Um, because, you know, we talked about the scenario, what happens if Bama loses about two and all that? What happens if the Florida-Georgia winner wins out and wins the SEC? Yeah. Uh, is the committee really going to leave a, you know, a one-loss SEC champion out of the playoffs? Um, you know, what if they, you know, no matter who they beat, let's say they beat LSU in a close game. Let's say Tua, go, Tua doesn't play, LSU beats Alabama, then Florida-Georgia winner beats LSU in a close game in the SEC title game in Atlanta, last-second field goal. So then you've got a one-loss um, one loss SEC champion, Florida-Georgia, and you've got a one-loss LSU team that is, has three or four top 25 wins, and you've got a one-loss Alabama team who only lost their – the only game they lost was without Tua. And, again, the committee's not going to say, well, uh, the SEC, we have to take this team. They're going to be comparing all these teams with Ohio State, with Clemson, with Oklahoma, with Oregon. You know, that would be very fascinating to see what the committee did with that because they're supposed to give more weight to the conference champions. I've gone through the mock process. But, again, bottom line is it's up to each individual voter. And some people may value a conference championship more than others. Um, some people may not consider it at all. They just say, I want the best team in there. Some may look at most deserving. So, yeah, Pat, I think the, I think the winner's got a shot at the playoffs, but they're going to need, they're going to need some help from, uh, you know, they need, you know, Oklahoma to lose another game or for, for, you know, Baylor to lose finally. They need the Pac-12 to beat up on each other, which could happen. Um, you know, and they probably need Ohio State and Clemson just to win out. And that's two of the spots. And then hope the SEC can try to get two. They need Penn State to lose two games. Um, you know, so I think it's I think it's a long shot. I think it's doable. Um, but in a weird way, if they beat LSU in a close game in that SEC title game, their biggest competition <laughs> may actually be from within the SEC on getting yeah, to the playoffs. That and makes sense. The, the committee has done that before. They left out Big Ten champ Penn State for an Ohio State team that they thought was better. So, you know, don't think, uh, you know, Gator fans, if you guys win the SEC title, you're an automatic berth in the college football playoff. That's not true. It's likely you would get in, but it's not 100%. Nothing's 100% in this world, as we know. But uh, what a great pleasure to have Brett McMurphy on with us. We'll be back with more of the Duly Noted podcast at Gatorsports.com. Zaxby's taking chicken to a whole new level of flavor. Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's today or visit Zaxby's.com. All right, welcome back to the Duly Noted podcast at Gatorsports.com. Thanks so much to Brett McMurphy for joining us on the podcast. And, uh... It was a kind of a crazy, crazy weekend watching from two different couches, uh, two different couches and a porch, uh, a porch uh, chair. And so, but I watched a lot of football. I wasn't going to let it deter me that we were going to this party and it was a great party. Really well done. And Chris Harry's 60 years old now. I feel bad for him. Um, just joking. To see Oklahoma lose to Kansas State, um, not stunned by that. I had a feeling, like, I, I knew there was going to be some big upset this week. It just felt like it. We've been seeing them come. Georgia losing to South Carolina obviously was one of them. And uh, we, we've seen other games that come came down to the wire that shocked us to Clemson, North Carolina. So I had a feeling that 
somebody was going to lose that was a big like 20 to 30 point spread and and that would was the one I was looking at was Oklahoma Kansas State now like a fool I didn't bet it or I didn't come on here and say it was going to happen but I had a feeling it was and that now it look everybody's like, that eliminates the big 12 and Texas lost oh forget it they're done uh, Baylor's still undefeated bro I mean I'm not saying they're going to run the table but they could and then beat Oki again in the championship game. Now they have to beat them. They still haven't beaten them. They've got to beat them and then beat them again. I don't think that's going to happen. But if Oklahoma wins out, beats undefeated Baylor, then maybe beats them again. You know, the Texas loss certainly hurt the Big Ten, but it's going to be interesting. I don't think any anything is – look, there are teams that have been eliminated. Notre Dame was eliminated Saturday night. You're not getting in Notre Dame with two losses and no championship game. You're done. You're heading for a very nice bowl game, I'm sure. Somebody will overvalue you, although I don't even know if it's overvalued. Notre Dame's such a great brand. But somebody's going to – you're going to get in a better bowl than probably your record and your resume deserves, but you're not going to the playoff. So we've eliminated teams like that. Texas, you're done. You're probably done already. Uh, Auburn, you're done. Sorry. I mean, you lost to Florida and LSU on their in their stadiums. Well, where obviously we know it's harder to play in the swamp than Death Valley because Gus Malzahn said so, and I believe him. But you that's those are your two losses, and you're done. You're out of it. You're gonna try to get to the Citrus Bowl or maybe the Outback Bowl. Likely. Now Auburn could still beat Auburn or Alabama, beat Georgia, and go to the, like the Sugar Bowl. I don't. I, they can't get back in the playoff picture though. But still, there are a lot of teams. I mean, like Minnesota is still involved in the playoffs right now. We're the over speculation of the playoffs is part of the industry right right now in college football. Where and this is why the playoffs, the people were so stubborn and archaic not to go to this even the 14 playoff earlier because it's all we talk about we talk about the playoffs all the time and who's going to get in who would get in right now nobody knows the committee hasn't even met or they they may have met once but who cares the rankings come out next week you know what they still don't matter you just watch the games and see what happens we have no idea who's going to be in the playoffs. We can guess, and that, but that's cool because it's part. It's like this. It's to me like my argument when people say there's too many bowl games. I think you're out of your mind when you say that. It's not hurting you. Just don't watch. Get away. Go away from me. I don't want to talk to you. It's not too many bowl games. And people who say, "Oh, the rankings shouldn't come out in the preseason," why they're not hurting anybody. Calm down. This over-speculation on the playoffs isn't hurting anybody either. It's what we do. It's what radio and TV guys do. They've got to fill up shows. This is why it was created. Well, well, it's not why it's created, but it was certainly a great benefit from it. If you go to eight, eight teams, which we all feel is coming, would that make it less interesting to speculate about or more interesting? Would it be like, well, hell, we don't know. Who's going to get in? We have no idea. Eight teams get in now, so it could be anybody. Or if it's structured like a lot of people feel like it should be, five champions, 
three at large, one of them has to come from the group of five. I personally don't like that um, that model. I, I'd say eight best teams. You know that that's the way to me it should be. I don't care if it's group of five or group of ten. I mean, if you're going to eight, make it the eight best teams. But the only reason they would go to eight is because the five power conferences don't want to get left out again. And if this year the SEC gets two in, which could very well happen, uh, that's their big fear. Anyway, so I think the eight-team playoff might actually have less speculation. Like you go, well, we'll figure it out later. Everybody's in it. Everybody's in it in the top 25. Or maybe it keeps interest perking that much more. I think it's good for – it's good for college football. I don't know if it's good for college football talk shows. You know what I'm saying? Does that make any sense? No. Okay. All right. Florida State and Miami this week. We'll talk a little bit about that down the road. They both won. And it, it almost wanted to look it up last time they both won a game, but I, I'm sure it was this year earlier. But I did look up – just I was curious about a couple of stats. So I looked this up. Florida State now is 125th in penalties. 70 penalties this year. It's part of the reason why they ha- they aren't very good. Four and four. It's almost uh, do the math. It's a lot of penalties. <laughs> uh, it's uh, I, I, I'm not doing the math very well. Um, it's almost it's almost um, what nine per game, eight per game. Yeah, eight per game. Okay, that's a lot of penalties. So I looked that up, and then I see Miami. Is is 129th, 129th. That means you're next to last in third down conversions, and you wonder why they're not very good. Now, they both won this week. I I don't. I was stunned that Miami beat Pitt. Um, FSU Syracuse is awful. They're just. I don't know. I don't know how that happened. How this team that everybody was so excited about in the preseason is so bad. It doesn't seem possible, but it is. But the ultimate will be that there's a big big third down play for Miami in this game, and the question will be, do they just get stuffed or does FSU jump off sides? Because one of those two things is going to happen. They're not going to convert it, but FSU could commit a penalty. Yeah, I thought it was funny. Okay, a couple other things. I mentioned that the Urban Meyer as a joke to Auburn, if they decided to get rid of Gus Malzahn, let's say he loses – these two games to Georgia and Alabama. I'm not saying they they would. I don't know that they would. But at some point, you got you know, especially if Saban beats LSU and he's going to Atlanta, you might see that happen. Would Urban go there? I don't think so. I don't think that's what he's looking for. But it is a place where you can win, as as Brett said earlier. You can win a national championship at Auburn. It's been done. It's been done in the modern era. It's been done fairly recently. Shoot, what was it, 13 they were playing for? So it, it's not like it's impossible. You And you get great athletes there. You've got a great recruiting base, not only the state of Alabama, the state of Florida, the state of Georgia. It's very close to both of them. So um, why not? You know, if Urban's really wanting to get back into it, which I think he is. And then we sit back and we watch the Ohio State fans gnashing their teeth. I thought he said he was done. I thought he said he was he didn't feel good. He was going to quit. 
I thought he said he was through with college football coaching. Why is he going there? Um, okay, so I was going to get into all these other issues, South Carolina issues. Uh, it's just sad. Mississippi State issues. Uh, I, 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 I Look, Joe Moorhead's really not getting it done. Arkansas is just so bad. and they t- They've taken a step back instead of a step forward in the second year there, it appears. Uh, but I mean, I, I guess I could talk about college football all day, and you guys, you probably want to get off the treadmill pretty soon. But I do want to go back to one thing I said that Heather Dinish had to, had this tweet, or she was talking to somebody on the tweet, and she made a good point that this game is more important for Alabama than LSU next week. And I know it's next week, but it's still on my mind because um, I'm curious to see what where Tua is, what Tua is. This is going to be a Heisman influencer. Like I, I'm nowhere near ready to make my Heisman vote because there's a lot of football to play, but it's a Heisman influencer game. There's no question about it. But it is more important for Alabama. If Alabama loses this game and doesn't go to Atlanta, they'll be sitting there at 11 and one without a great win. You know. Brett mentioned they, if they beat Auburn. If Auburn loses to Georgia and Alabama, I don't know that they'll be in the top 25. I don't know if they'll be a top 25. They may have, have no top 25 wins. So Alabama ha- really needs this game. If LSU loses this game, they've already beaten Auburn. They've already beaten Florida. They've already beaten Texas. Um, they'll be fine. They'll be fine. If Now, then you get into the whole, as Brett was saying, Alabama versus the, whoever it is versus the SEC East champ. It could blow things up. I think we're the potential for mass chaos is there, and I love mass chaos. Mass chaos, I I believe. Look, mass chaos kind of brought us to where we are with the fourteen playoff, because the only reason that and don't ever listen to what anything Bill Hancock has to say about this, because Bill is a lovely guy, but he's he's selling propaganda, and that's that's part of his job. It's not his fault. He has to do it. The reason we have a college football playoff is because Alabama and LSU played for the national title. It's boom. That was the end. Once that happened, boom. All right, we're going to have a playoff. We got to have a playoff. We can't let this ever happen again. It could happen again. And it just happened with a 14 playoff where you had Alabama and Georgia playing for it all. And that just went right up, right underneath the fingernails of every other conference. But you had your opportunity. And we want even more opportunity. So that's going to happen. Anyway, I think I'm getting off on a tangent, so it may be time for me to go to three things. It's time for three things. Three things. Number one, the World Series ends maybe tonight or tomorrow night, but it's going to end eventually. I will miss it. I will miss baseball, even though I haven't watched a whole lot. I have no dog in this hunt. I kind of am rooting for the Astros because the Nationals are in our division, but really, does that going to matter if they win it all? Uh, does that make it more of a uh, you know a destination place for free agents? I don't know. They've already got some unbelievable players. Uh, it's going to be... Interesting to see what happens with a lot of players. I, but again, I haven't watched a lot of it. But I'm going to miss that knowing it's on. Just knowing that there's a baseball game on, and if I get really bored, I can flip it over there and get more bored. But 
at least it's sports. At least it's competitive. At least it is the biggest event in a, in a sport. And, um, yeah, I, I, I'll flip it over there every once in a while and watch, but running out of time. I tried to watch. You know, I think we're getting the NBA free, uh, league pass for the first week of the season. So last night I tried to watch a few games, but it was too early in the day. I mean, by, by that, I mean it was like 8.30, 9 o'clock. You can't, you can't watch the NBA then because what's going on in the game doesn't matter. It's all going to be about the fourth quarter. They need to have – I don't know if they have this in the NBA. They need to have fourth quarter pass or something where you buy you buy a package that has nothing but NBA fourth quarters, and when the fourth quarter's coming on, you get an alert. All right, oh, it's fourth quarter of this game. Or even like a five-minute pass. Anyway. Number two, I came to this conclusion today after watching most of the Bucks game on Saturday. And uh, this, I don't mean this. This is going to sound bad, but please understand where I'm coming from. Jameis Winston, on the football field only, is Felipe Franks. And what I mean by that is Jameis Winston in the NFL is Felipe Franks in college extremely talented does things that are that wow you great arm but man he will screw up and that's why if i was the bucks i would be shifting gears on that guy i mean he's not the difference is he's had all kinds of off the field problems felipe franks has not and uh i'd rather have felipe franks representing my school than Jameis winston 10 times a day and twice on thursday that's not the phrase but i'm going with it anyway but they are kind of the same guy. They look so great, and you, you test them physically, and they blow you away, but they just throw it to the wrong guys sometimes. They fumble. or Not to say Kyle Trask hasn't had his share of fumbles, but um, you know what I'm talking about. Please don't email me that that, that that was an unfair comparison. It came to my brain, and I think it's actually pretty accurate. Remember, I'm saying only on the field. And I'm saying, and and you, I know there'll be an FSU fan says, uh, you know, I don't remember Felipe Franks winning the Eisner or winning the national championship. You're right, Jameis Winston in college was phenomenal, way better than Felipe Franks. But Jameis Winston as a pro is Felipe Franks in college. That's what I'm trying to say. Okay, stop talking, Pat. Let's go to number three. It doesn't look good for my friend Dan Quinn. Uh, he has been such a good guy since he was at Florida. Helped us out with our golf tournament every year. Some of the stuff he has sent us has been mind-boggling. Helmets and all kinds of all kinds of Atlanta Falcons gear. Um, but you know, when you when your owner says, "I got a I got a lot of thinking to do during this bye week," that's not a good sign. And I get it; they're one in seven. They were on the verge of, the, of winning the Super Bowl a couple years ago, and they've just gone downhill. There's been injuries. There's been guys leave. Ryan's hurt now, but that's still no excuse for one in seven. Their defense is terrible, and he's a defensive guy. I know he lost Keanu Neal early in the year, but I hope it doesn't happen, but I know Dan Quinn will land on his feet. He'll probably get another head coaching job somewhere in this is league, which is just bizarre how they rotate him. But um, to me, the most prized coach in uh, when the NFL guys start looking around, it's going to be Joe Brady from LSU is going to be the first guy hired at you know, I would think by the whatever team cuts loose their coach and they've got a um, high opinion of themselves. Like, I can see him going to the Jaguars and getting a hold of Gardner Minshew. 
and maybe uh, maybe trade Nick Foles. I can see that. But what do I know? I don't know anything. All right, that's going to do it for uh, today's podcast. Appreciate uh, Brett McMurphy for joining us again, guys. Uh, next week, Thursday, I mean, uh, Seth Emerson from The Athletic will be joining us. We'll talk Georgia football with him, and we'll keep uh, Georgia week going. Until then, I'm Pat Dilley, sports columnist of the Gainesville Sun, saying I am deep, I am way back, and I am out of here. The Duly Noted Podcast is brought to you by Zaxby's. Satisfy your craving for hand-breaded chicken and fresh-made salads. Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's today or order online at zaxby's.com forward slash podcast. And by Vistar Credit Union with locations across Gator Country. Visit vistarcu.org. And also, the Humidor, going the distance for fine cigars.